artists, unpaid interns. You're listening to Art Pros Podcast. Hey. What up? Anything interesting happened recently? Have you been watching the news? Barely. Barely. What's going on? I don't know. Um, apparently, I was watch. I think I was watching ESPN. Some guy had uh, a map up. Uh, might have been like a UFC fight. Some guy named Joe and some guy named Donald were. I don't know. It might have been like sports betting. A bunch of numbers up on TV. It was up for like a week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy, um, Joe Biden, won the election. We just found out uh, yesterday the presidential election insane sleepy joe so sleepy joe he won the election over over the drump the orange man uh the the murderous orangutan damn so he got slept on sleepy joe got slept on yeah and it turns out that he slept donald trump in the in the last round it was won by uh i don't know georgia pennsylvania depending on who which big-brained uh political activist you talk to who has access to apple news you know, it could be that Joe won Pennsylvania. It could be that he won Wisconsin. It could be that he won Georgia. That that really that really flipped flipped the script and put him into office. So, um, you know, we have a Democratic president. Cool. Listen, the thing is, to our faithful uh, interns out there, we're experts at different things. But if you want to listen to us talk about politics. You might as well be listening to us talk about quantum physics, because <laughs> I don't know what you're going to get from us. We're not the political experts that everyone is always looking to us to be as um, artists in the nonprofit industry. I know that I know that you probably had a million people talking to you about everything that they know about about foreign policy and, and the economy and how how much they understand it these past couple of days and how important it is that you vote. Um, but we're just not those guys, you know. We'll stick to our lane. I'm sure there's a lot of other podcasts that cover the election, but today we're here to have fun, talk about art shit, and we're gonna talk about art shit. And just, you know, I don't want to get anyone too uh, excited, but I'm gonna move on to a little bit more uh, entertaining topic than our exciting new uh, news of uh, Sleepy Joe winning the election. I'm gonna talk about where you can listen to more of our episodes at www.artprospodcast.com. Isn't that exciting? And you might be wondering where we get all of our information from. So you could hop onto our Discord where we keep a rolling list of our articles uh, steadily updating in our articles section in the Discord. If you don't know what I what that is, I, I suggest checking it out, starting an account, and experiencing the new wave of communication technology. It's actually not that new. The thing is, gamers use it mostly, and nobody except for gamers cares about gamers. So anyways, uh, check us out, artprospodcast.com. we got an Instagram as well, uh, artprospodcast. Instagram is paid.artists, at paid.artists. And if you uh, want to uh, give us a tip, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash artprospodcast. All right. Coming to you live from Baltimore, Maryland, it's the Art Pros Podcast. I'm Gage B. This is I'm I'm Renz B. <laughs> and we're here to give you the scoop today on on everything important. Everything important. So last week we talked a little bit about local Baltimore Museum, the BMA, Baltimore Museum of Art. 
was going to deaccession, you know, sell some artwork of the peoples for, you know, measly $60 million, $65 million. But maybe they heard our episode. Maybe they found out that it was uh, not quite so ethical to sell art that isn't really, you know, theirs. And they neglected to do it. Renz has more information for you now. Clearly, Gage, somebody uh, with a very important position, very important position, has uh, discovered our podcast, listened to what we had to say, changed their mind, had a humongous change of heart, and decided to halt the deaccessioning, halt the private sale of three very culturally important artworks that would have netted the BMA through private auction over $60 million. Now, you have to understand the people from the city and eventually nationally had an outrage when they heard that the BMA wanted to sell all this work. Uh, If you want to hear more about it, listen to our previous episode. But guess what? The people, their voice was heard and the private sale was halted. And a couple of artists who were part of the BMA's board of trustees actually hopped off the board. They're out. One of them was an artist that we quoted in the last episode, Amy Sherald. So she doesn't really want to spend time with the BMA anymore, it appears. People don't want to support BMA anymore. It's reported by word of mouth. A couple of uh, uh, chairmen of the BMA have rescinded verbally pledged gifts amounting to $50 million um, because, and this is from artnews.com, two former chairmen of the BMA board rescinded verbally pledged gifts amounting to $50 million, and one of them alleged that the deaccessioning was intended to bring artworks by certain trustees into the collection. I think the insinuation there is that these trustees might be artist Amy Sherald and artist Adam Pendleton, who both happen to be artists of color. Amy Sherald, for those of you who don't know, painted, uh, I believe, Michelle Obama's first lady portrait. And that's a pretty big deal. I mean, so the BMA, they were looking to have an extra $65 million in the budget next year. And now they are down $50 million. And, you know, that's what happens when you go against ethics and you don't really talk to the people for whom you are the custodian of their art. So there you go. That's the BMA update. Look, I don't remember the director knocking on my door asking me if I thought that was cool. Nobody sat in my kitchen and said, yo, Renz B, what do you think Gage B thinks if we do this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and they didn't even offer to give anyone in Baltimore a cut. They were going to keep it all to themselves. I wanted them $5. Yeah, I wanted them to give us $5. So if you want to know what it means to deaccession art and why it might be problematic, listen to our last episode. A little bit of some better news in the world going on right now. Art can save lives. Now, I know that for some people, it's like if you were kind of down in the dumps and you made art and it, it brought you out of a dark headspace or maybe maybe you were too poor to do anything with your life and you found a passion and that brought you up from the mud that might be considered art saving your life but art has saved lives a giant whale tail sculpture 33 feet off the ground stopped an out of control train 
before it was able to drop 33 feet, killing everyone on board. The Metro train operator's life was saved by this work of art. In a suburb of Rotterdam, Netherlands, a train cat crashed through the buffers at the end of the track and then ran into a large plastic sculpture of a whale. Pretty fucking incredible, right? The sculpture, designed by architect Martin Struish, is really dope. It's just a giant whale tail sticking out of the ground, and it looks like the whale's diving underneath whatever this structure is that's holding this train. But it's pretty amazing to see art save someone's life, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, you, you know Martin thought of that because it looks like a sharp turn. I'm looking at a photograph, and there's this overpass-looking type of thing uh, that is going through the water, not through the water, but above the water. And like Gage said, these whale tails are popping up above and a little bit past um, the the edge of this this train tracks. So in this photograph, this this railway car, this train is literally resting on the curvature that the the peak of the curvature of of this whale sail is beautiful it's almost as if it was written that way in history it's almost as if it was supposed to happen that art art could be so important as to save many many lives unbelievable now that is some news the sculpture is portrayed as only the tail part as, as well, and just the tail part is the size of this whole car, and it's 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 holding it up gracefully with strength. No structural damage to be seen. That is power. That is the power of art. Absolutely incredible. This is just absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Do you have any news for us, Renz, today? I got a little bit of news. I know that we were riffing about politics earlier. It's hard to get away from it. It's everywhere. I'm sure that you can't you can't go five minutes without hearing, seeing, or talking about it. This is, as the television has been putting it, a historic moment in politics. It is a historic election. And now we are going to be talking about daughter of Mr. Trump, Ivanka trump and why is this important why am i talking about that person i'm talking about that person because that person happens to be an art collector ivanka is an art collector now this article that we have from uh artnet news talks about a little bit of of uh trump's daughter's uh foray into the art world it doesn't this article doesn't make it seem like she's too popular and i'm curious what do you think about this, Gage? Because uh, this is the first I'm hearing about this. So apparently Ivanka Trump used to be pretty big in the New York art scene, you know, hosting events with Sotheby's, going to Christie's auctions, showing up to all the blue chip gallery events, you know, just to buy some art, hanging out with Jared Kushner, you know, normal wealthy people shit. But ever since she was assigned a role in the White House, she kind of divorced herself from the New York art scene with, with good reason. I'm sure that um, all these people that wined and dined with her, chewed the fat about expensive art and just, you know, hung out in general at like, you know, Met Galas and the Whitney Galas and all that stuff. I'm sure that knowing how New York is extremely liberal and how wealthy people love to be, which is, uh, you know, very political. They have a lot of opinions about things that affect poor people. I'm sure that they all divorced themselves from Ivanka Trump. But with Trump getting knocked out of the office, 
it seems like Ivanka Trump may be returning back to the New York gallery scene, which would be a pretty big thing to do. I mean, we're talking about potentially a whole new conservative resurgence amongst artists who are just trying to get a little piece of that White House corruption pie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you know, you're in New York and you're like, you're like, damn, none of my art is selling to any of these, uh, any of these liberals. You know, maybe I should just like do a painting of how cool Trump is. And maybe I can pitch it to Ivanka and I'll sell it to her. Or maybe, maybe, maybe I'll do some like really, really, uh, you know, center of the road, like watercolor paintings that she's just so sick of politics because she's been inundated with it. I mean, maybe I'll make a painting about how cool abortion is or how cool abortion isn't, you know, depending on where she leans with that. Cause sometimes she's pro-life, sometimes she's pro-choice, you know, there's going to be, if, if Ivanka can find a niche in the New York art world for wealthy conservatives, then there may, we may be seeing, you know, a higher demand for conservative art. We may not, but if we did, we may see a higher demand for conservative artists, which would be really interesting, especially since the cultural milieu, the stew of of art people in New York is so so staunchly liberal that it might actually bring a little bit of you know antagonism into the system, which would which would actually be kind of interesting. Like I'm starting to get bored of every artist I meet having the same exact political opinions as as all the other ones, you know, so it might be interesting. I quote, several sources I spoke with, and by I, I mean the writer, Nate Freeman, of the article on Artnet News, says, uh, several uh, sources I spoke with described Ivanka and her husband as universally reviled by the art world lever pullers they once considered cheek kiss acquaintances. What a sentence. <laughs> what a sentence. And it continues. And I quote again, one dealer who previously sold work to Ivanka, told me they vowed to never sell to her again. Alex DeCorte asked her to take down work from her wall, and Richard Prince, artist, went a step further, fully disowning a work of his depicting Ivanka, essentially stripping it of its value. People don't like her collecting art. People don't want to be associated with that, and I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting because like it's not like uh, someone's political leanings just come out of nowhere. I mean, in, in the art world, politics, for some reason, politics and art are always directly intertwined. It's almost like most art is just propaganda. Um, I'm sure these people know Ivanka well. They're, I mean, they're cheek, cheek kissing acquaintances. <laughs> now they're just going to sell her up the river because of one little stint in the White House. I mean, it's so it's so surprising. Yo, yo, in Black Mirror, there was that episode that um, there was a character who uh, lived in a world where um, your social status was defined by likes, digital likes, right? You remember that episode? I do, I do. It's almost like our world now. It's almost like our world now, and basically your profile has a five-star rating. The more likes you get, the higher five-star rating you have, the lower you get, the lower it is. And actually, this this world of Black Mirror takes it a step further in which your social status, your your star rating, actually affects the uh, way you can uh, buy a house, for example. So maybe you can relate it to something like credit. 
but instead of credit, it's likes. It's your social status. This is what it feels like to me. So what you're saying is Ivanka's lost all of her social status, all of her likes. What's interesting is that so all of these art galleries, they're they're the leaders of culture in in their art world. So if Ivanka were to go back, she would technically be counterculture. You know, she'd be kind of a kind of edgy. She would be Ivanka punk, you know? It would just be absolutely interesting to see all these people. I mean, what are you supposed to do if you're like this problematic art gallery owner who's known for underpaying all of your employees and treating them like shit and you don't have Trump to point at as oh well I hate Donald Trump so I'm a good person like you know you don't get to be dissident anymore and they're all going to have Ivanka Punk come back who's going to be like oh yeah I was a piece of shit so what it's kind of edgy there's kind of an allure to it right because these art gallery owners Sotheby's Christie's they're known for evading taxes in their own right they're known for underpaying employees they're known to commit some of the most heinous worker labor crimes in the entire art industry and they have the gall to uh to judge some pundit who might come back to who might come back to the new york gallery scene as though there's no there is oppression on your hands too sotheby's there's oppression on your hands too christie's you might as well suck it up and make a couple of sales get a little edgy, get a little punk because when the news <laughs> is done with, with the Trump family, it's coming for you next. It's coming for you next. So, you know, shout out to Ivanka Punk. Ivanka Punk. That's going to be a whole new art wave of super conservative art that sells for millions. Super conservative art. What does that look like? What is super conservative art? I don't, I don't know, man. I think, I think that... Um... It'll be like a painting uh, of a guy. It'll be a painting of like a white guy in a MAGA hat. And then it'll say, I can breathe on it. That's fucked up. You went too far. The, no. No one's going to. I don't think so, man. It, it'll be a, it'll be a, um, see the weird thing about like social commentary art is that you can read it either way. Like, for example, let's say you had a gallery. And you divided the gallery by big brick wall. And then on one side, you, you know, there's two entrances to the gallery. And it just says on one side, like, whites only. And people, like, went through that. Like, the commentary could be interpreted either way where it's like, oh, man, this is so fucked up. Like, how could they do that? Or, you know, someone conservative is in there and they're like, yeah, this is sick. This is what, this is what I wish the world was, but bigger. Hmm. What do you mean? I mean that pointing at something, a lot of art is about pointing at an issue, however so subtly, and it's on the eye of the viewer to determine whether or not uh, it is a, a satire or an honest and faithful representation of something. Does that make sense? Where mm. like, if you were to go into that specific art piece that was about segregation, if you like segregation, you would go in there and take it at face value as a faithful representation of something that someone might want. And if you, you know, are not fucked up, you might go in there and look at it as like a, a withering indictment, a heavy critique against segregation and how messed up it really is. 
Maybe you put all the food on one side. Nah, I think... I don't know if that's good art, though. You know why? Why? Because that's old news. I think that's just some whack virtue signaling. (laughs) Making political artwork... mm, I mean, you got political artwork, and, you know, people are allowed to voice what they think about um, what's going on right now. It's a very politically charged time. You also got political cartoons. Um, and then you got memes. You know, I think those are the tiers of political, most commonly seen political, um, I don't want I don't know if I call it satire, political commentary. Aside from the news, I don't know how to exactly describe it. Political uh, creations, propaganda is what people would normally call it. They call they call art, cartoons, and memes might be propaganda. Okay, yeah, and it's got a political spin on it for sure. It could be called that messaging, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've I, I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? You're talking about how it's not good art. Or how political art is corny or something. Which it I <laughs> memes are top tier political art. Cause it takes memes, I think, are a modernized version of political cartoons. You know, like you don't have to really draw anymore to to, to put out a humorous take on a political uh situation. You know, I mean if if it weren't supposed to be humorous you wouldn't draw a cartoon about it it'd just be on the newspaper right it's a way to target a different type of person a type of person that might digest difficult news through humor a lot easier and when you um reverse engineer that and say okay what type what's the format what's the function of art then if if memes and political cartoons are supposed to share a message through humor then does that mean that political art is supposed to share this message through what what is what is art plus politics if art plus comics is or if politics plus comics is a uh, uh, humor plus politics art plus politics is i don't know bouginess plus politics bouginess. Yeah, I mean, if you go into a gallery to get your political opinions, you're like, I don't know. Art is just about observing the world around you, right? It's like a represent, like different ways to represent an idea of the world around you. Otherwise, it's, uh, I don't know, interior decorating, like a design or something. Uh, it's it's tough. I mean, art is well, fine art. Thing. Let's let's distinguish it by fine art. Yeah, well, fine art is bougie uh, house decorations, right? More or less, fine art is bougie art decorations. Art is just decoration. (laughs) Or communication. Yeah, you don't want to live in a place that's just gray. You know what I mean? No color, nothing. Okay, uh, what's going on here? Why is everything chrome? See, the thing is that for me to have an interesting life which is not everyone's goal but for me it requires conflict it requires different ideas counterposed against each other to then incite or 
influence a viewer into forming an opinion or an idea in their own right. Which is why I think Ivanka Punk might be cool. Like, you know, you have the battle of the the civil war of of conservative galleries and liberal galleries in New York battling to see who can sell the most art to wealthy people, you know? Hmm. But then I don't know. Why would they want to do I don't know. I don't it seems to me that art is not a conservative thing, period. You know what I mean? Well, what about so the, what about paintings art, of horses? Well, that's just one niche. Because art, if you if, if you want to talk about the function of art, the function of art is amplified when you are more willing to think about topics that you may or may not want to think about. And that's the antithesis of conservative thinking, isn't it? So do you think that conservative art can be defined as being good art? I would think it's probably art that represents um, reverting back to like an older, older cultural state, right? So like, like conservative art would be um, making art that is representative of an era that is not the future. Like if you were to to be a musician who only chooses to do jazz in the way that jazz was done in the 60s, I would consider that conservative. Mm-hmm. Because it's been done before? Well, because because it's it not only has it been done before, but it's yearning for a time period that has passed. And it's representative of the culture of a time period that is not our time period. So you're saying it's boring? <laughs> I don't know. It depends on your taste, man. I mean, I I don't think anyone's saying that conservative parties are the fun ones to show up to. I mean, I guess if you want to go to a party where everyone's wearing white powdered wigs and and drinking wine and all the music, um, all the music has no drums like that. If you think that's fun, that's up to you. But I don't know if that's what the common dominant cultural opinion of fun is anymore. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is what I heard you say. I heard you talk about this this form of art as reflection. Reflection meaning you're sitting back on your porch, looking back. You're not moving. You're thinking. You're thinking about that time and you were at that beach. The other art form that I was more thinking about, the progressive, not the conservative side, is moving forward you're driving a car you can't turn around when you're driving a car you're going to the beach you're not thinking about the beach you're going to the beach you know if you turned around and looked in your you know behind you you would probably crash into a tree that's what i'm talking about about that's and that's fun does art want to turn around does art want to sit on a porch is art like the amish or do they want to just stay in one specific point in technological artistic advancement is that what art is i don't think that's what art does i but i do think that's the criticism people have of the of art institutions in general is that they are they are staying the same way like the white wall gallery with abstract expressionist art that's existed since the since the 60s and 50s they're staying the same way and i would argue that that's conservative Nah, dude, that's cool. 
Because the future, cool. the the future is white walls. You see these Apple products, bro. They are pretty crisp, clean, nice edges. You remember that uh, SpongeBob episode where they went to the future and everything was chrome? I'm still waiting for that. Like that's the future that I want. Everything spray painted chrome. I got a lot of chrome stuff. I'm trying to, you know, kind of collect. Live in a chrome world, but get in it's hard. early on the. Get in early on the Chrome investment, so when the value goes up, you can flip it for a quick buck. Yeah, bro, stainless steel everything. Brush it with some uh, uh, steel wool. <laughs> Bring up the value, you know, just clean off a little bit of that old rust. Get some nice Chrome going. We said we weren't going to talk about politics, but here we are talking about politics. Don't we have another topic in here somewhere? Well, I think that I think that politics are important. I think that for an artist to get paid, you know, in the entrepreneurial spirit, it's important. But Gage, I don't like I don't like politics. It makes my head hurt. I don't like it. You're gonna intake politics whether you want to or not. I, you know, sit down why and watch I, the news. Why can't I block the news? Because I can block anything else. No, you can't. Me can't I Mark live Zuckerberg, in a bubble? We no, we we want we want politics to exist. We need it. Because otherwise, how can we be entrepreneurial and and profit off of politics? <sighs> I just want to grill, bro. Me too. Anyway. Those are awesome. Um, yeah. So that's my sentiment exactly. I've been watching I've been watching so much news. I've been watching that fucking number, those numbers, those little colors and those little shapes of the states and, and that guy standing there in front of the TV with doing the sports center drawing on the TV screen and like using the touch screen giant TV and talking at the same time and in Pennsylvania, I'm traumatized. <laughs> well, Buckle in, buckaroo, because if you were to believe the news, a civil war is coming. You know, you got the red people and the blue people, and they don't like each other, and they're going to clash it out on the streets. So I, I did all of the interns a favor. I did you a favor, Renz. I came up with, with the top five ways to profit off of the civil war. Now, as an artist, it's important to also carry an entrepreneurial spirit. And to take in the context of the world around you so that you may produce things that can generate income for you. Do you would you like to hear some of my, my, my great ideas for uh, how to profit off the Civil War? Okay. I want to make more money. Yeah, let me run it past you. So the first one I the first invention is uh, the bulletproof brunch pod. Oh. And the bulletproof brunch pod doubles as a protective barrier from the COVID infested masses. And is completely shock absorbent and bullet resistant. This is, you know, it's self-explanatory why you might need one. Right now, you street, you see all these restaurants trying to figure out different ways to separate each other out so that no one gets sick. Why not make it bulletproof too? Now, when those pesky protesters are walking around in your city, you know, fighting for human rights or whatever, you don't have to worry about that, and you can eat your brunch in peace. What else? Brunch pods. Yeah. Where else would you like to drink your bulletproof coffee? You know? Yeah, that's, that's another one. Bulletproof coffee. We better get on that. Um, how about... If you, <laughs> if you ever want to drink coffee with a 
bunch of butter in it, go for it. <laughs> bulletproof okay. coffee. And bulletproof brunch pods. Okay, okay. All right, that one's not so good. How about um, how about the Aranon blog, which is a lot like QAnon, but instead of spreading conspiracies that Trump is playing 4D chess to get pedophiles out of Hollywood, it's a blog devoted to theories about Joe Biden playing 4D chess, working to get Russian agents out of the U.S. political system. And we can sell ad space to kombucha supplement brands and craft beer companies. <laughs> Whoa! That is the perfect amount of words to confuse and entice me at the same time. Yeah, you know, it's like, so QAnon was all about how Trump is so smart. Everything he's doing is part of a master plan. We can sell that same idea, but about Joe Biden, how he's getting all the Russians mm -hmm. out of Antifa or whatever, whatever the fuck you want. You can have a new blog each week. People can subscribe. It'll kind of be like Alex Jones, but for Blue Manga. That's perfect because I have no idea what QAnon is, really. Q <laughs> QAnon is the conspiracy that uh, that it well, it's a it's a bunch of different, it's a web of conspiracies about how Donald Trump has been working this whole time to get all the pedophiles out of out of Washington D.C. and out of Hollywood, and how every decision he makes is secretly five steps ahead of everyone else, and it's just him against the world. And oh, I think wow. if, we, if if we swing it. And have the Aranon blog, where Joe Biden's doing all of that, um, but instead of instead of pedophiles, it's Russian agents and uh, bad guys. We can totally and racists and race. Oh yeah, getting all the racists out of the U.S. political system. That's what we can sell. Aranon. That's that's a winner. That's I think a winner. That's a winner. Right? Yeah, we can sell so yeah. much ad space. You know how like Alex Jones sells supplements to give you more testosterone? This will sell you supplements to give you less. Mm, uh, at the very least, it would get you more woke. Definitely more woke. The wokest blog on the internet. I think that's a good one. I like that one. Okay, what about, what about um, inflatable decoy bricks? For people who want to show mm. solidarity with protesters but don't want to cause any property damage because protests are about the message, right? The brick is just a symbol. You don't need to throw I real like bricks. That. You can throw inflatable decoy bricks. I love that. And you can even, um, uh, instead of throwing it, you could have a... I, I consider it a scaling. You could buy the better model where it comes with a drone. So you could drop it. You could drop this brick <laughs> softly to your destination. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to throw uh, out your rotator cuff or anything. For the for the long, you know, long, long, long protests, you can even use them as pillows or emergency beds, even when you have a bunch of them with you, which is great. Incredible. You know? Incredible. I am all about that. I will fuck yep, yep, yep. I'll talk to the board. Okay, how about this? Uh the no malarkey oligarchy merchandise. So the tagline is no the No Malarkey Oligarchy, and it's a streetwear brand for both the far left and the far right, based off of Joe Whoa. Biden's catchphrase, no malarkey, meaning no bullshit or insincere talk. And here's the tagline. If, you're, if you are wary of the trustworthiness of moderate career politicians, boy, do we have a brand for you, the No Malarkey Oligarchy merchandise. I, look, here's the thing. When you said, 
is a streetwear brand for both far left and far right. Guess what happens? If you headed west and kept going west forever and ever, ever, guess what will happen? You'll reach the same spot where you started. Same thing <laughs> if you went east. It's perfect. And I like that. I like that. No malarkey, oligarchy merchandise. We can shorten it to N-M-O-M. Mom. And mom. Mom. It'll be Something easy, like easily branded. No problem. And then, yeah. and then the last one. This one was you- quick, but I, I think you'll like it. Xanax donuts. Everyone knows oh. cops can't resist donuts. These donuts will make resisting arrest that much easier. Just sell them to your local Antifa chapter and let them spring the trap. We can call it Kalanapin Cream Donuts. Hmm. Now that one needs a rebranding. What do you think? That one needs a rebranding because people hear the word Xanax. You hear the word Klonopin. You think drugs. You think. And listen, you know what I mean? Like, take this off the record. Ask the editor to take this out. But, you know, it's a little sneaky. It's a little sneaky to do. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you think it's a little, you think it's a little, uh, oh man, unethical? No, I'm just saying the news would get all over you if you called it that. Oh, Klonopin cream donuts. Well, you could present it as, um, you could sell it in Oregon, right? Where all drugs have been decriminalized. Then who cares? Uh, uh, Oh, no. See, here's what you're you're talking about five moves ahead. I was two moves ahead. I see what you're getting at. You start there, and you scale up. You you say, damn, these are pretty good. These donuts make me feel pretty good, you know? And I get it. Being out in the field, it's an intense environment. Maybe you don't don't go with prescription drugs, because who's that supporting? Maybe you put... uh, (laughs) What the fuck is that, that, that powder? It's not... It's not... Uh, what the fuck is it called? Kava. It's it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like kava, but it's it's the other one. Matcha. It's not kava. Not matcha. God damn it! What the fuck is it called? I don't remember. I don't know what it's called. But I like the idea <laughs> of putting Klonopin. Like I like the kava. idea of Klonopin cream, uh, because Xanax is extremely addictive. You know, so you'll yeah. always be selling out, always, all the time. You'll sell so many, no problem. Hey, man, you want that pharmaceutical money? That's what you name it. But I don't know if that'll sell. I don't know about that one. I think it's too aggressive of a name. Well, what if we call it? We could just call it Xanax Donuts. <laughs> no, I guess I guess that's still too aggressive. What I'm thinking is maybe we put maybe we put a bunch of melatonin into them into the donuts but we still call it clonopin cream and see if we can get like a merchandising branding deal with big pharma you know it'll it'll still knock knock out anyone who's eating the donuts still put them to sleep but it's legal and we can get paid by big pharma for it i mean we're walking a tight line here you know because you you get to the point of of having um Super super donuts, if you will. These donuts will do more than regular donuts will. Donuts, you expect to eat a donut. You get a sugar rush and wake up in the morning. These are anti-donuts. Anti-donuts. So that, yeah, they make you chiller. 
don't give you that hype feeling of, you know, you got a bunch of sugar in your system. You just ate a donut. You just ate a coffee. You drank a coffee. You feel like you could take on a, a, a world of crime. Anti-donuts uh, for, for anti-fascists. So if we're talking about opposite of what you would expect when you buy a donut, that, that requires a global marketing uh, campaign. You see where I'm coming from here? This is a whole yeah, new type of product. Well, well, we'll table that one. We'll table that one. I think that we can we can still generate a lot of income off the Bulletproof Brunch Pod and maybe the R and On blog. Well, how about this? How about this? Dough, donuts, donuts. You know what that sounds like to me? Do not. Oh. So what about this? What about if it's called do? What if these are just called do's? Do. Do. Yeah, you cut off the nuts. You don't need to do the nuts. You don't need to go nuts. You know what I'm saying? Because if oh. you're going to get hype by be e- eating donuts, you see where I'm coming at? Yeah, you and, don't want to you don't want people to go nuts over these donuts. I got you. No, you just want to do. And what do you want to do when you eat these donuts? You want to chill. You want to relax. You want to assess the situation in a proper way. You know, you don't want to be stressed out by by the potential dangerous situation you're going to you're going to put yourself into as a a constable and officer of law must be a hard job probably you extremely wanna, stressful yeah you want to just do you don't need the nuts it, it it reminds me of the term diabetes it, it has the word die in it we're talking about marketing oh, here i want to hear that right, you know what i'm man. saying that you're right you know you are so right you don't want to do nuts don't go nuts just do do your job <laughs> that's the marketing campaign i propose all right i think you brought it to a winner i think i think we can get rich in the upcoming civil war with this you know go from paid artists to paid entrepreneurs yeah i you know i i, I was i was saying all episode i don't want to talk about politics but that's one thing that i'm not i i am uh, vocally I have a problem with is uh, the pharmaceutical industry. I think they could do a better job. So I don't, I don't really want to put their name. I don't want to help them out with this idea. You know what I'm saying here? I want to have the power. Oh yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, thanks man. I appreciate you looking out. This is why I run these ideas past you. I don't think, I don't think they're doing as good a job as they can do. To be honest, if they really want to help people, they could do it better. Yeah, I agree. The pharmaceutical industry could definitely use a rebrand. So let's let's so so instead of Dunkin' Donuts, maybe we could have a Dunk and Do. Dunk and Do. Oh, I like that's that. pretty but dope. We still, sp- we still spell it like like dough, so people know what's up. Dunk and Do. Doof. Dunk and Doof. Oh man, I like that. I I kind of like that. We could call it Dunk and Doof. Because when you eat one, you'll go oof. Just one word, yeah. Because damn, I'm fe- I feel good. We can we can use CBD donuts. See what Ooh. I'm saying? See where I'm coming from here? Yeah, I feel so good. I don't even want to pepper spray these people. I don't even I don't even want to flashbang this crowd. I just want to chill, eat some Dunkin' Do. That's clean, bro. That's clean. CBD donuts. CBD CBD CB donuts. CB doof. 
CB donuts. Oh, okay. All right. I see where you're going. But we like we put in like 800 milligrams of CBD to knock people out. Hell a donut. Yeah, that like thirty dollars <laughs> a donut. Or we just make we make one donut. We we sell one donut with an average amount of CBD in the dough, but it's a really big donut, so it is only someone's gluttony that can knock them out. If they choose to eat the whole donut, like I'm talking like a like a bike tire sized donut, then they get knocked out and it's their gluttony, which is, you know, a sin. That the that glutton. Did. Yeah. That's very capitalist of you. Hey man, it's not it's not my fault. You know life's about put, choice. We we put the serving size as one sixteenth of the donut, right? <laughs> they that's what you add the whole donut. That's what's that's what's uh advertised in big letters. One sixteenth donut. <laughs> Yo, you know, you know, I I get what you're saying. How about this? You're talking about there might be somebody that that might be able to eat one or two more donuts than the average person. Why don't you get them a an eclair? You know what I mean? Like all that cream inside is just loaded with CBD. <laughs> so you know that you know that guy. There's a guy out there that'll eat one donut and. And and confidently and accurately say I don't feel anything. You get them an eclair. You know what I'm saying? You gotta have a warning label though, kind of like spicy food. You know, the whole you don't want it should be a warning label. All the branding should just be one big warning label. Don't eat this. Warning: Don't have too good of a time. Yeah. Warning: This will make you too chill. Be careful. <laughs> nah, don't 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 give away our secret recipe. You could say, wait, it could say, it could say for maximum chill, almost too much chill. You're too chill. Don't eat this donut. I think that, oh man, that'll trick people into, you know, no one likes to get told what to do. They like to reverse psychology. Exactly. You got to subtly influence them. Don't get too chill. Yeah. Don't get too chill. No. And you can target rule breakers. It's great. You target people who who break Uh the rules. And from what I hear, those are bad guys, people who break rules. Those are bad people. They broke the rules. They were told, don't eat too much of this donut. You know, don't take too much Klonopin at once. And, and you know, the capitalist in me is saying that we are not legally uh, at risk in that case. <laughs> CB donuts. <laughs> Just don't can do it. <laughs> Duncan, do it. CB Donuts. We take the 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 nuts out of donuts. Great. Nah. Great. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it, we got it. We're going. We're we're headed there. We are yeah, right there. We are wealthy as fuck, and that is why we are paid artists on Instagram. They don't call us that for a reason, you know. We've been. Um, no, they don't call, call us that for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> don't call us that for a reason um, alright man so, so anyway, what else thanks, yeah. for, thanks for hearing out my entrepreneurial ideas that was cool that was cool it was fun being in in, in, a, in a scrutin scrutinizing, scrutinizing position of uh alright I guess we tricked everybody we said we weren't going to be political but it, our point being is he can't really not be political these days. What are you going to do? You know, you're going to sound no stupid sometimes. Say. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I love sounding stupid. It's it's great. I think that I think the world could do with more more failure in in their political ideology. I think some people could could be okay with being wrong sometimes. That might be very helpful. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. It's what we do. It's what we're best at. You know what I'm saying? Just like how you said you go far enough west, you'll end up east. You get, you become more and more stupid. You'll end up smart. You can get so dumb, you become a genius. I think, isn't that what, that's what Zen philosophy is about, right? Yeah, you you push so much out of your, no, I think, I think that's what it is. You push so much out of your brain that it encompasses all brain. You, you make it so empty that it becomes full of knowledge. Yo, you know what I'm saying though? If you if you have a glass full of wine and you drink all of it, then it becomes full of air. Exactly. It's still full. It's still full. It's, still full. it's yep. always full. A glass, the glass is always full. Yeah, that's that is a weird one. You have to go into space to have a half a glass that's half full. <sighs> That's true. And I remember then, the first time hard. I heard that. The first time I heard that was what? I was going to say you just you got to you got to look at the world as though the glass is half full, but it's always full full. Yeah. When was the uh, first time you heard that? The first time I heard that I'm just reminiscing was in middle school and it was the crossing guard. And I was talking something. I don't know what I was talking about. And he was like, hey, man, that's interesting. Do you consider yourself as a person who sees a glass half full or a glass half empty? And I must have been in sixth grade. I looked at him and was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I walked away. <laughs> yeah, like, what the you, fuck does then, that mean, dude? Even then, you were so big-brained, you knew it was half water. Yeah, I was half like, who cares? I said, I was like, who cares? You got something in there. Yeah, there's something in there. There's always something in there. And <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what we do is the Art Pros podcast. We make sure that people know that there's always something in there. Yeah, I didn't know why he was asking me that. Like, who cares if it's half full or half empty? But it's just isn't there something in there? It just is. Yeah. Oh man, did did we accidentally become become Zen? It just is, dude. I think that's the, the fundamental tenet is that things just are. Things because just are. Do. Sometimes, Things yep. just are because they do. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes it's you who put that that glass, that water in that glass, that liquid in that glass. You know what I mean? You got to look at it for what it is. Exactly, exactly. I think we have all the big brain takes we could possibly give today, bro. Oh, yeah, we went all over. We went left. <laughs> we went right. We went up, we went down. People are here for for the session so that they know what we're thinking about. They, they, they come here for the jewel rips. They come here for the hot takes. They come here because they literally haven't heard about any other podcast except for us. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that would be pretty cool, actually. Yeah. If we were the like, only, imagine- only podcast that someone listened to. The the one person that literally has been living under a rock just emerges, and for some reason, Art Bros Podcast is the first one they listen to. All right, I think we should close it out. 
this I, I feel like it's good good episode, man. Good 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 job. A little bit spicy. I'd say it's about two uh two chili peppers on the menu out of three. All right, before we go, I wanted to shout out there's a there's a musician artist type in Baltimore who just dropped a really good album that I love. He goes by Stoop Baby Mo, and we're gonna link to him in the description. And he just dropped the album Coming to America, and it's full of bangers. It's a rap album it's pretty good it's a hip-hop album i actually don't know how to describe this album because it's so transcendent of labels but it's it's really good i listened the whole thing front to back the first time i put it on and um give some love to to you know baltimore artists give some love to stoop baby mo and i'd like to thank you if you made it all the way to the end it means that you survived that very long and arduous week of a uh, bunch of numbers and stuff on the TV, political ESPN. I like to think about it as uh, it was exciting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It was exciting. It was frustrating. It was scary. It was stressful. It made you feel anxious, but guess what? Things are about to be different. And I want to see this whole thing closed out i want to see this whole thing go down peacefully honestly and i want to see what the next four years has to offer because i am an artist i graduated from an institution that taught me how to think critically about things and that's what i'm gonna do over this next four years is that hope that our administration can walk the walk and talk the talk so that the people that are happy can be happy and the people that might not be very happy can also be happy because honestly that's what they promised and that's what i expect them to deliver yeah they better deliver or give I us think... five bucks <laughs> yeah, that's what i expect i watched the speeches that's what was promised that's what i expect i just can't wait for the hashtag cut the check joe when, when, as soon as he gets into power, he better cut the cut the coronavirus relief check. I want it. I want it with his signature, like Trump bucks. Um, I want. I want him to cut the check for the people, the five dollar check to the Art Pros on Patreon. Give me that five dollars. Art Pros podcast I, on Patreon. Yeah, get me some. Get me some dinner. Get me some dinner, Uncle Joe. Come on, Joe. See, because I trust Kamal. I want some dinner. Check. I want both of their signatures on my. Oh own. yeah, oh yeah. I, I can see her cutting the check. I want them both. I want them to cut separate checks: the vice presidential check and then the president's check. And then I want the House of Representatives to cut a check for all this bullshit they've been putting us through. I feel like Kamala would at least buy us some dinner, you know? She better. She incarcerated a lot of people when she was in California, so she better buy us some dinner at least. Um. And if you're, uh, again, looking for more episodes, just go to our website, artprospodcast.com. If you want to look at what we were looking at, uh, by, by that I mean the articles, just go to our Discord, which you can find on the front page of our website. And we also want to announce that we are going to be very soon dropping Chapter 2 of our take on politics, Cyber Vote Patriotista. We love you guys. Peace. Peace.